welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And I want to thank my listeners, uh, the ones that faithfully come back again and again and again from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from my authors. Um, I've been doing these podcasts now almost nine years. And all you faithful listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you again for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, today, joining us on the line is David Horizager. Let me make sure I pronounced it right, David. I probably messed it up, so say it for me. <laughs> no problem, David Horsager. Horsager. And yep. David is joining us from, where are you joining us from today, David? Well, I'm in Minneapolis today, and mm-hmm. Minneapolis Twin Cities area, actually. Uh, I get to be at my office today in Matamidi, Minnesota, and if you can spell it, you can live there. Matamidi, Minnesota. Okay, well, I would assume that Maybe it's getting a little chilly there. It's October the 20-something, right? 19th, 20th. So you're, you're doing well there today, I take it? It's just gorgeous, and it's supposed to get up to 73 today in the midst of the cool weekend. And uh, you know, it's a great, beautiful day today, and I'm sure it'll, it'll cool off fast. Yesterday we had frost on the ground, but it's getting warm again today for another little blast of, of summer. Ah, well, cool. Well, Uh, David, we're going to be speaking with my listeners today about your new Mm -hmm. book called The Daily Edge, Simple Strategies to Increase Efficiency and Make an Impact on Every Day. And I want to let my listeners know a tad bit about you. Um, David is an MA and a CSP. Um, It's a certified speaking professional. It's a business strategist, keynote speaker and author and, and national bestseller. The Trust Edge um, is one of his books, uh, How Top Leaders Gain Faster Results, Deeper Relationships, and a Stronger Bottom Line. His work has been featured in prominent publications such as Fast Company, Forbes, The Huffington Post, and The Wall Street Journal. Um, Though his graduate research leadership experience is a founding partner of Special Delivery Productions, Dave learned firsthand how the world's most successful people gain and keep trust with their customers and colleagues. He's taken that knowledge and broken it down into tangible steps that people can incorporate into their own lives right away. Um, his uh, clients include Wells Fargo, New York Yankees, Goodyear, the Department of Homeland Securities, and on and on. And Dave, uh, as he said, lives in Minneapolis with his wife, Lisa, and their four kids. Well, Thanks for being on our show with us today and really spending a little bit of time speaking with our listeners. And I got to let my listeners know that this book is really something that, you know, you can just pick up almost anywhere. These are very short little chapters, um, you know, two, three pages at most. Um, He just gives you some great tips about how to live your life. And you start your book off with this 90-day quick plan. Um, Mm -hmm. What are the six questions we should ask ourselves? Why do you believe that this will help our listeners achieve their goals better? You've got a great little section in the book there about this. You betcha. Well, let me just say, everything I've got here comes under my trust work. I still believe a lack of trust is our biggest expense in work and life. And they came out of my graduate research. I believe in the eight-pillar framework that builds trust. And this here, the daily edge is something that people have been asking for as far as actionable takeaways I can use, you can use on a daily basis to make a greater impact, not at the expense of relationships, but to be more efficient and productive so that we can serve others even better. So 
The 90-day quick plan I'm especially passionate about because that is the exact six-question strategy I used to lose 50 pounds in five and a half months. It's the exact same strategy we've had people attribute uh, tripling sales in 90 days. So there's two sides of it. Number one, 90 days, I think, is an absolute sweet spot. The old idea that came out of some research in the 50s and then was skewed by motivational speakers that you can change a habit in 21 days, I don't believe that's true unless it's highly addictive. If you try to do something for a year, like a New Year's resolution, that's way too long because, I mean, you have people say, oh, I can get that in February. Oh, I'm going to get that in June. And it's way too, too far out, and they never get to it. So 90 days, absolute sweet spot for um, getting more done than most people get done in a year because they're absolutely focused. It's long enough and short enough. Six questions. I'll give them to you. Here they are. Like you said, every single chapter, you can read this in one, one flight because every chapter is one to four pages. It's bullet point actionable takeaways I've used to change my lives or those that we've served. It's not floof. It's, you know, bullet point. Here we go. Six questions. Number one, you got to ask, where am I right now in any area of life? But we give people 30 minutes for the whole quick plan every 90 days, not an offsite, not Squad analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. You know where you are. If I give anybody 10 minutes max, but everybody knows where they are in two minutes. Where are you in your relationship with your spouse or your oldest kid? Where are you in your sales? Where are you in your health? I mean, I didn't have to go into the dunk tank, get my BMI tested. When I knew I was overweight, two-second analysis. Look down, shake the belly, oh, crud, right? Mm -hmm. It's not this. People want to analyze forever, and they don't move forward. Number two. Where do I want to be in 90 days? Not 21 days, not a year. I knew I couldn't lose all 50 pounds healthily in uh, in 90 days, but I thought I could lose 30, and exactly what I did. I lost 33 pounds in, in the first 90 days and then did another 90 day. But where do I want to be in 90 days specifically in whatever issue you choose? Number three question is, why am I going there? Why do I want to accomplish that specifically? We know If you have a strong enough why, you don't need a perfect strategy. If you don't have a strong enough why, it doesn't matter. You won't last 10 days, right? So Mm -hmm. the why is critical. Uh, You know, we know if that building over there is burning and my kids are in it, I'm going in. Might be stupid, might be wrong, but I'm going in because I have a strong enough why. I I can still remember when the first book, The Trust Edge, took off, kind of became a national bestseller and all that, got invited to Larry King's home in Beverly Hills. And I remember at the time, you might remember, he was the most known journalist in the world. And in journalism, he was known as the greatest question asker. And so what do you ask the greatest journalist, the greatest question asker in the world, right? I don't know what you would ask, Greg, because I know you're a great question asker. But uh, my, the guy next to me asked, I thought, a brilliant question. He said, Mr. King, what's your favorite question to ask? Why didn't I think of that? That's a great question to ask the greatest question asker in the world. And I asked him, and, and, and I still remember King turning around, looking at him and saying, why? Why is my favorite question? Because why motivates people? Why inspires people? Why unifies people? And we hear all the Simon Sinek stuff and all this about the why. And I agree the why is important. And it's unifying. And it's inspiring. And for journalists, it's the greatest question in the world. I don't think it's the, I think it's a great question, important question, but it's not my favorite. Number four is my favorite because I'm a business strategist, a business owner. I need to see results. Mm -hmm. The question for clarity 
is the fourth question, and that is how, specifically how are we going to get there? The fifth question is how are we going to get there? The sixth question is how are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We learned something. We learned if you don't ask the how at least three times, you don't get clear enough. It might take seven, but it's going to take at least three. And let's spend a little more time so people really get this one. If they don't get all the strategies, let's get this one because people all over the world that we work with, they say, oh, I want to have a better culture in my company. And I say, how are you going to do that? They say, oh, uh, we're going to be nicer. How are you going to do that? Oh, we're going to appreciate people more. How are you going to do that? Um, we're going to write notes. How are you going to do that? Until somebody gets to something they're going to do today or tomorrow, I don't trust them. Two quick examples. One, biggest, one of the biggest healthcare organizations in North America. I still remember half day through a, a work with the top leadership team, they came to the conclusion that they needed to be more clear to build more trust and uh, get out of a big hole they were in. I said, how are you going to do that? I still remember senior leaders standing up and saying, we're going to communicate more. Like, how are you going to do that? He sits down, talks to his team. When he's ready, he stands up in front of everybody and says, uh, we're going to hold each other accountable. How are you going to do that? How, 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 until you get specific? Personally, on the weight loss thing, how is I going to get clear, right? I mean, most people say, do you know, Greg, what do most people say when you ask them, how are you going to lose weight? Eat less, exercise. Yeah, it's what they say. Always eat less yep, and exercise eat. more. Exactly. And so I said, how? Because that wasn't clear enough for me. So I started to ask people that look fit, healthy. How are you going to do that? How do you stay fit? How do you stay fit? How do you not try to be too creepy, but I'd ask him. And so I got 15 actionable, clear ideas that I asked how until I could do it differently today or tomorrow. One specific strategy, I'll just give it as an example. I'm not a weight loss expert. I don't, you know, act like I'm giving weight loss advice. I can just tell my story, but this is really a story of clarity not a weight loss story. It's just, this is how it worked for me. It's like the salesperson, not make more calls. How are you going to do that? Make five calls or whatever it is. So this weight loss idea, one doctor, 80 years old, healthy guy said, David, most men in America, they could eat exactly the same, but if they wouldn't drink their calories, they lose 30 to 50 pounds in a year. I, I thought, wow. Now I don't drink a lot of alcohol. Don't drink a lot of pops. So I thought, oh, I'm not going to lose that many, but this is one idea that I have asked how until I could do it differently today or tomorrow. So for six months, I did not drink a calorie. And I just, I started to notice when I get on the airplane, I used to say a Coke and I just changed to a Fresca, no calories in a Fresca. I used to drink orange juice with my uh, breakfast and I, wow, it's full of sugar. Eat an orange, drink a water. And you, you know, there's like seven oranges worth of calories in an orange juice. I just shifted thinking. And the, the point is it was easy to look at the glass and see what's in it and say, is there a calorie in it? No. Okay. I'm not going to drink it. Is there a counter? Mm-hmm. You know, so the point is ask how, whether it's having a better relationship with your client, better relationship with your kids, better health, better fitness, better finances, how, 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 tell you're clear enough to do something differently today or tomorrow. If you ask how enough, every problem you can start to solve, every, whether you were the huge P&G or Walmart or a personal problem or something at home, if you ask how enough, you'll get clear enough to do something to move forward today or tomorrow. Well, it's great advice, and it's uh, right in the front of the book for my listeners. Now, you suggest that everyone start their day with a power hour. Um, What is it? Why do you believe that it's so important? 
Well, power hour, it can be, it may not be the very first thing you do, but you, we definitely uh, encourage it because so many people get just shot at by interruptions and they take every interruption and they never get anything done or never get the most important things done. So in our culture of our company and many of those we serve, we say from a certain time, let's say from nine to 10, no interruptions. You don't have to take a phone call. You don't take, you don't look at email. You get a most important project done. In my office, the only person answering is my assistant answering um, phones during that hour. But basically, if you can take a time frame and do focused work and not take interruptions and let the emails stack up, let the call messages stack up, you can actually often serve your people, your clients, and yourselves and the mission better. So it's just a focused hour, no interruption hour. Everybody knows it. And you might say, well, in my group, we couldn't do that. My boss wouldn't like it, this or that. Say, fine, fine, but maybe you could do it. Maybe you could lead your boss and say, hey, if you just let me have an hour without interruptions, I'll serve you better. Let the people below you say, for this hour, I'm not taking interruptions. Just leave a note on the door or email, whatever. But on that hour, I'm not answering things because I want to serve you better. And that's what people find when they get away from interruptions and have a power hour. No interruptions changes everything. Oh, most definitely. And you start your day off with a meditation or your exercise or whatever it is, however you're doing yep. it, I think it. And then the planning part, taking that time to plan the day, the night before, or the evening before. Now you have this acronym called SEEDS, S-E-E-D-S mm -hmm. first. What does it stand for? And what recommendations do you have for my listeners to live by? For your listeners, Greg, this, it, 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 it's huge. One thing we started seeing is people, you know, they get inspired to do some big thing, whether it's run a marathon or clean their house or some other goal, doesn't matter. But we see people get into the regular, you know, days and they don't, they lose their momentum, right? And so in, before you accomplish any big goal or can move forward on anything, or if you're having a big a time that you're really struggling, check your seeds. Before you get anything big done, done, you've got to plant and cultivate your seeds first. This was really inspired by my wife when we we're talking about people that weren't able to move forward. They were stuck all the time. So it's an acronym, and you got to check this first before you do anything else big. Seeds, S. The first S in the seeds acronym stands for sleep. Turns out we need it. We used to be proud of, oh, I only get three hours a night or this or that. We don't function well on three or four hours a night. We need the right amount of sleep for our body. Some things in there are what that is. There's a lot more research on it. You have a better, healthier weight if you, have the, if you get the right amount of sleep, better interactions and everything else, and usually get more done in a day with more or the right amount of sleep. Doesn't mean to be a sluggard, but you need sleep. The uh, first E stands for exercise. You know what? You might not run a, white, uh, a marathon like my wife did a week and a half ago. I'm not going to. But if I just get a little more movement, right now, talking to you, I'm standing. Whenever mm -hmm. I can, am on the phone, I stand up. It's just I can have a little more movement, and it changes my, everything. In fact, you, you, know, you burn so many more calories just by standing than sitting, right? So what, how can I add a little more movement? Maybe it's something fun, but the key to think about is what will I do long-term? You might say, I'm not going to get up every day and go to the gym. Fine, figure out something you can do to add uh, movement. Way more important than that is the second E in seeds, and that is eat right. Eating is way more important than, than exercise, putting the right stuff in. You know, we've been given 
this operating system, our body. And if we put, you know, if we put the right stuff in, it moves and works properly. If we put the wrong stuff in, it doesn't. So for me, if I make myself eat five green vegetables a day, I can handle some ice cream and some other stuff because I'm putting this other stuff in first and it makes it much more efficient, much more effective. I'm not an absolute legalist by any stretch, but I'm very intentional about trying to put the right stuff in. And and it really starts for me with five green vegetables. If I can do that in a day, a lot of the other stuff works out because input leads to output. The D stands for drink water. Turns out our body is largely made of water. We need it. It's the best drink, least advertised. We need to have water to run efficiently. I try to make myself drink at least a gallon of water a day, and uh, that certainly helps uh, everything. And, and if I can really avoid drinking calories, that certainly helps too. The final S in seed stands for source of strength. If you have a source of strength beyond yourself, yes, research shows you live longer, you withstand trials better, Every, whether it's family or faith or friends, um, you know, for Lisa and I, we do have faith in God. But, let, you know, if we go back to Tom Landry, the legendary football coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, after a game, a terrible loss in the playoffs, a reporter on national television stuck a microphone in his face and said, Coach Landry, what is it with you? Whether you win or whether you lose, you're the same. Other coaches we interview after games, if they've won, they're all happy and excited. They lose, they're all upset and swearing at us. How come you're the same every time? And on national television, Tom Landry said, I don't know. I think it's because I have my priorities in order. For me, faith comes first. Family comes next. Friends come after that. If I lose on Sunday, I've got a whole lot left over. Mm -hmm. And I see it. I see yeah, I see it in organizations, Greg. I see it in top leaders. I just sat with the president. I won't share the, uh, the, the, the national baseball team I was sitting with in his box, but they are lonely. If you don't have a faith beyond themselves, you, you, you stop coaching, let's say, that national team. You stop being president of that huge company. And if you don't have some friendships, key friendships, if you don't have family beyond yourself, if you don't have a faith beyond yourself, we see it being a huge challenge to really long-term impact and success. Now, you are a high-energy guy. We can all tell, all my listeners are, and that's great because it's keeping people going. And managing energy If is, you need to slow me down, no, <laughs> feel free to start. No, what I'm saying is I think it's great. The issue is, is managing energy. You have a whole chapter on it. Um, how do you do I, it, and what advice do you have for our listeners on managing their energy so that, hey, at the end of the day, you know, five, six o'clock runs around, they're just not dragging their butt in the door. Right. Yeah. And I struggle with this too, getting off the plane and going home. I want to give my all to my kids. I just gave it to that huge client in whatever city I was in that day. And then I fly in and I'm like, oh, I don't want to be tired for them. And the truth is there are things in life when I've, I've spoken uh, one night in Portland, Maine, the next night in Portland, Oregon, and, you know, and a lot of other. So you're getting in at two in the morning, one place, getting up the next time. And some of that's just playing a challenge. And you just want to try to not recreate that on a super consistent basis. But the idea of the chapter is just being aware and noticing your energy level helps you manage your life, your leadership and your impact to the best that you can. One example would be just noticing 
Are you a morning person or not? Are, when is your energy the highest and what gives you energy? For example, in the morning is my best time to do productive, creative, difficult work. So I don't want to fill that time with meetings, let's say, because for me, I'm an extrovert. I'm energized by talking to you right now, Greg. I, I love talking to you. I love talking about things I'm passionate about. I love listening. I love working with, working with a board, working with a team. Now, in the, for me, in the afternoon, I, get, I, I can get a little bit like, oh, you know, a, a little bit of the after lunch slump or a little bit of the, the you know, less, uh, less energy in my day because I'm aware. My mornings, I have tons of it. So in the morning, I want to do the most difficult projects for myself, the things that zap me the most. In the afternoon, if I have to have meetings, that my team, my assistant knows schedule, if at po all possible, schedule meetings then. If I have to have phone calls in the day, uh, Ann knows schedule those phone calls in the afternoon because Dave's energized by phone calls, so that helps him through his least energy, energy uh, natural energy time when he needs more energy, right? In the morning, I don't need more. You can tell, right? <laughs> I've, got, I've got enough. I don't need to be adding energy right now. Well, we're talking, but uh, I just manage it like that. There's some people they could start and they need a meeting if they, you know, starting out with a meeting, if they can. Now, we can't control everything, right? We just have to have good attitudes and do our best all the time. But to the extent that we can manage our day, for some people, it's um, at lunchtime. If they can just add a 30-minute walk there instead of sitting and having their lunch, it manages their, it manages their energy better and they move through the rest of the day better. Yeah, it's just – well, you've got some great, great um, options for people here and a new way to look at things. So there's two things I kind of want to wrap this interview up with, and one is you state that email is a lot like a medication. It can cure a lot of things, but it can also have some careful side effects or there's side effects to it. The second thing you talk about is the secret to keeping a clean desk. These are probably two of the things – that I think affect anybody out is out there. What are mm -hmm. what's some advice you would give to people? One uh, about email and the email etiquette, mm -hmm. how they're going to use it, and two, keeping their desk clean. Well, in this short time, I can't go into all of it, as you know, but it is those are both very short chapters, and I will share some things right now. But if you would like more on them, if you do get the book, you can see there's a. Uh, uh, like a four-minute, three-minute video on each of those tips that you can have for free at TrustEdge.com that really explain it from my perspective so you really get it. But let me try to start. Start with email. Many people, they leave the ding or some way of knowing that, it, you know, the alert on. So what do they do? They start to do a project and an email comes in, ding, and they turn over toward their email and they look at it and, oh, this, da, da, da. And then they look back at their work like, where was I? Oh, it's time for lunch. And they take this interruption all the time, and they never get anything important done. So a couple things. Number one, let it bundle. So check at the top of every hour. Check 10 or 20 emails instead of every time it dings or comes in. Stay focused on your task. Shut off any way that it alerts you. We don't want to know when emails come in. Check it, check it when you want to check at the top of every hour or four times a day or whatever it is uh, at a break but not whenever it comes in and you're working on something. Secondly, email is for information sharing only, nothing emotional through email. 
Maybe you want to write a little appreciation to someone and you can flick it off through email. Uh, in person would be better. A note would be better. But if email's the only way, get it out that way. But no negative emotion. It's for information sharing only. So just get this information back, get that information back. If it's got to be emotional, use the phone or, some, or um, in person. Um, think of the inbox as a, as a through box. It's not an inbox. inbox. Try to get stuff through there as quickly as you can. So think of four things. If at all possible, delete it. What are you going to do? If, if people have more, you know, we teach trying to have 10 or less emails in your inbox a day, even if you get 300 a day like I do. But try to delete it because what happens is you fill your inbox, you're scanning down. If you have 1,000 in your inbox, by the time you get to 50, you let it go or you get to something else more important, and it either wasn't important or you miss it. So try to delete it if all possible. Delegate it to someone if you need to do that, if you can do that. Deal with it right now. You, you decided to read that. So if it takes two minutes or less, deal with it right now. Just get it right back to them because, you know, a lot of people read emails five to seven times on average. They know they need to get back to that person, but they read again tomorrow, read again the next day. Total waste. Deal with it right now. If you're going to be willing to read it, deal with it. Um, the, another final idea on this, and you can look at all the ideas in there, but one idea you want to get them out of your inbox because that just takes your mind share and takes your creativity and zaps you. So if you can get that to be clear, one other way of doing it, other than filing it, archiving it, deleting it, all the things I just said is learn to tag it or flag it. Tag it, it depends on the system you're using, but tag it into, into your calendar or flag it for later. So in certain programs, Let's say I've got something for taxes. I need that at tax time. I don't want to lose it, but I want to read it every day. So I can flag it for, let's say, March 30th, and it'll pop up back to my inbox March 30th so I have it in time for tax time, let's say, but it's not sitting in my inbox that whole time and I have to glance at it for the next six months. So tag it or flag it. That's a little thought on email. There's more to it, but if you can control your email, get it out of there because you lose so much. If you have to look through lots of emails all the time, you lose mind share, you lose creativity, you lose innovation, and it's just stressful. Similarly, the clear desk strategy, there's a tickler. I teach the tickler strategy in there. Others have taught this before me, but it really changed my life because I used to think, you know, messy desk, well, that's the sign of an innovative or busy person. You just got to be that way. And I learned from watching a CEO that I went to consult every year for 10 years in New Hampshire, and I saw him have a clear desk and how much more effective he was, how much more creative he was. And I said, I got to learn to do that. And so basically what I saw is when my desk is clear, I can actually focus on the task at hand. I can actually be more creative. And so I uh, learned to use a tickler system. And I teach that in the book, learn how to file things the right way. I'm trying to go more paperless and do scanning. But they're definitely, let me just say this, it is worth it to try some of those methods, even if not perfect. I have stuff on my desk right now, but it's much better than it was. And, of course, to that extent, I'm much more creative and productive and focused. Well, I'll tell you, I have stuff on my desk. That's why I asked the question. So, <laughs> so I know yeah. I need to get rid of it. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth and sharing a little bit of your wisdom around this. And for my listeners, you're going to want to go to www.davidhorsanger.com. And he also has a free gift for you if you put info at 
um, that address as well. We'll put that up at the uh, blog entry as well. David, it's been a pleasure having you on in the short period of time. You've given me some great advice, and I'm sure that you've given my listeners wonderful advice as well. For all of my listeners, go pick up a copy of this book. It's called The Daily Edge, Simple Strategies to Increase Efficiency and Make an Impact Every Day. Um, he also has another book called The Trust Edge. And again, you can find him through the blog entry that we'll have here. Um, he's and also got many of videos as well. Yeah, David. Well, I, I appreciate Greg being on. You've got a great audience and uh, what a treat it is. Just to clarify, I'm not sure if I heard it wrong or if you said an end. There's no end in the name, but even an easier one would be trustedge.com to find it. But uh, in any case, Greg, what a treat to be with you and your great audience and uh, really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. So go to trustedge.com as well. That'd be another way to get to David. It's been a pleasure having you on, David, and thanks for the time and thanks for your wisdom and, and foresight for individuals who are trying to make their life easier every day and not as complicated. Thanks so much. You bet.